Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. I've got a question for you straight up this morning. I wonder what you would have if you didn't know what other people have. I wonder what you'd want if you didn't know what other people have. See, that's my problem. You know what my problem is? I know how much you all have, right? I know how much you all have. I get to see that in my role. And so, as a result, like, it leads me to this constant direction for more. It leads me to spaces where I think I need to have more. And it starts to choke me. And you start to feel this every now and then. You may have felt the litmus test of all of this. Have any of you had this dynamic where... You've gone away on a holiday, you've left home, you just, you just bolt out of the house, you, you go away on a holiday to a, a nice place, and you know, one of those hotels where like everything is absolutely pristine and minimalistic, and you, you go there and it's just bliss, like you've just got a suitcase, hotel room, a pool, a drink in hand, whatever it is for you that you do on holidays, right, you, you go there, and then you come back and you walk through your front door and you kind of hit by this gauntlet of stuff. Anyone ever had this situation happen to them? And you come back and you kind of feel like that first day of getting back into your life, you're like, how do I have so much junk in my life? Am I just preaching to myself here or are there a few in the room that are willing to acknowledge that's their life? Thank you. Thank you for that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see. <laughs> see, I find that stuff, if we don't keep our eye on it, starts to grow around our soul like weeds. Stuff starts to grow around us, and, it, and, it, and it, like a weed, you, you know, notice how weeds in the backyard, like one day the grass looks fine, the next minute it's just there, right? Stuff grows around your soul like weeds, and we're constantly accumulating the weeds of stuff in our life. And if you, if you want the proof, I won't go to the Bible yet, if you want the proof, just have a listen to what uh, the annual report for CBRE, uh, the commercial... Steph, didn't you work for them? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Just checking. What <laughs> um, the annual report for CBRE said in an article titled, titled The Rise and Rise of Australian Self-Storage. It says self-storage demand is booming in Australia as a culture of consumerism shrinking living space and rising population drive demand from individuals and families for secure and convenient facilities for storing personal belongings. Hear that? So, hear what it's saying? There is a booming industry for people to, that can look after your stuff because you already don't have enough space because you've already got too much stuff. Does that sound crazy to you? <laughs> It's out of control. Stuff grows around your soul like weeds. And you know what's really interesting for me is I think I've told you, if you want to catch up, I've got, a, I've got a snazzy little system that the online people often do and they can, you can book into my calendar and if, if we want to catch up for a chat, you can click the link to book into my calendar. It gives you a little reason for a meeting as to why we would catch up. And you know what, in all of my like 17 years of ministry here, you know the one reason for pastoral care that's never popped up in my diary? I've never had someone come up to me and sit down in my office in the chairs, can you shut the door please, Sam? It's a bit, you know, it's confidential. 
No one's ever sat there and said, Sam, look, between you and I, I think I'm, I'm dealing with the problem of materialism. No one's ever said that to me. Maybe you could be the first this morning. Who knows? Depending on how well I preach. But <laughs> no one has ever come to my office saying, Sam, I'm struggling with materialism, right? Because we don't think it's ever any of our problem. And the reason that we don't think that it's our problem is because there's someone who's always an er. Have you noticed this? They're always richer and wealthier and better than you. And so as a result, you go, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't got a problem with all of this. And as a result, you always feel middle class. You always feel f- frugal. You always uh, feel as one, one guy on uh, Instagram these days I listen to, you always feel povo, right? <laughs> yeah, I can tell from the laughs, those who know I'm talking about, you're povo, right? <laughs> you always f- because there's always an er. There's a, we, we often don't think that it's our problem. And the genesis of all of this is that our stuff grows and the weeds grow as a function of a certain fertilizer that happens in our life. And the dynamic, the fertilizer that we put on our stuff is this. It's the assumption of consumption. The assumption of consumption. It means, oh, the minute that it hits a bank account, my bank account, it's for me. The minute that it flows to my super, it's for me. The minute that I receive it, it's for me. The, the minute that I have it, it's for me. It's the assumption of consumption. And so as a result, these things just start to build up and build up and build up and it starts to choke us. <laughs> so if our stuff is constantly choking us, don't you think it's about time that we talked about tidying your soul? This morning I want to talk about the life-changing art of tidying your soul. And um, some of you may know that I've actually stolen that title. Um, from a great prophet in the world. You know, she's come along in recent years. She sold millions of copies of her books. I'm talking, of course, about Marie Kondo. Anyone heard of her? Right? She's that lady. You know, what do you do? You kind of take your stuff and hug it and sniff it or something. And so what you do, Kate, and just see if it gives you good joy vibes. And if it doesn't, you chuck it out. And if it do- Is that the basic principle of all of that? Right? Right, she sold millions of copies of all of this stuff on how the life-changing art of tidying your life. The thing is, I want to tell you that there was a guy a couple of thousand years ago, and by the way, he's, he sold like five to seven billion copies of his book. <laughs> okay, amen. Five to seven billion copies of his book, and he was always on about the life-changing art of tidying your soul. Because this guy called Jesus... We'd have to see if we look at his life as a first century minimalist, wouldn't you agree? We think the Japanese had it all covered. No, like Jesus was already living as a minimalist long before Marie Kondo come along. You see him traveling from town to town and not taking a moving truck to carry all of his stuff about. <laughs> it's like Jesus didn't have like a self-storage unit up in Nazareth that he'd kind of circle back to, just to, boys, I've got to, just got to go back to the storage unit and get, get my gear. We're going down to Jerusalem, right? He, he tended to stay with people in their homes. He ate with them. He traveled with them. In fact, one of Jesus' first followers, Matthew, tells us in chapter 8 of his account, verse 20, he says that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head which is the best news for some of you to hear this morning, is that you would never realize this, but Jesus was a perpetual renter. Jesus didn't own property. Jesus wasn't obsessed with owning his property. In fact, he constantly told his followers to not get 
caught up in things that keep you stuck in a particular space. He says, don't take a purse or bag or sandals. In other words, he tells them to live lightly. And what Jesus models to us, remember church, we said last week that if God is not just only, if Jesus is not just only fully God, but fully human, and that Jesus didn't just come to leave a book that sells five to seven million copies, but instead to show us and to model to us how the human life was truly meant to be lived, then we must always ask the question when we read the New Testament, what is Jesus modelling to us? And what we see Jesus modelling to us is the keystone habit of living simply. Jesus lived simply. Jesus had a habit of living lightly. In fact, Matthew again records this. Matthew says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, who's Jesus talking to in this passage? I reckon Jesus is talking to the person may or may not be you, that person, you know, that, that comes home and you've arrived home from work and there's three Amazon boxes on your front doorstep and they've all got your name on them, but you cannot for the life of you remember what the heck it was that you ordered, right? <laughs> or I think Jesus is talking to the person who likes to perpetually live Christmas. You come in and there's a present on the doorstep. Who's this for? Oh, it's for me. <sighs> what is it? I don't know, but... It's for me. Oh, look, look, that's... Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Jesus, is, Jesus is talking to the mall wanderers. You know the people, that the mall wanderers, have you seen them? You go out with them, the friends, they're wandering around the mall. They're kind of constantly searching. They know it, they can feel it, they can just sense it in their fingertips. You say to them, what are you looking for? And they go, I don't know, but when I see it, I know that I really want it. Just saying, 2,000 years ago, the guy's a genius. He understands how we can operate. And what's he teaching here? I think what he's teaching here from this passage is this. That lurking in the shadows of the weeds of your stuff is what you really value. The weeds is the stuff that you want. But lurking in the shadow of your weeds is what you really value. And behind the weeds is love. And behind the weeds is relationships. And behind the leaves is presence and a sense of presence with family and friends. And behind the weeds is memories. And behind the weeds is laughter. And behind the weeds is joy. And all of these things are being choked out by your stuff. And so Jesus wants to weed the garden of your soul through this discipline that we call simplicity. The spiritual discipline of simplicity. And the spiritual discipline of simplicity is not living in poverty, right? So for a moment, there's no way that I'm saying here, go sell all your stuff. It's not what Jesus is calling you to here. It's about intentionally choosing to live a life where you are focused on what really matters the most and you're content with what you have. I love the way that um, Pete Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, describes simplicity as the freedom to choose the lifestyle that expresses our deepest values. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to live like that? 
the freedom to live the lifestyle that expresses what it is that you really value. And so living simply in the discipline of simplifying your life and weeding the garden to get back to the things that really matter, that's what Jesus is calling you to. Look, have you, have, you ever had, have you ever had this experience? Have you ever had that moment in life where you finally got that thing that you really, really wanted, but then it actually didn't live up to all that you hoped it would be? Anyone ever had one of those sorts of moments? Yeah. Some of you know, for me, if, for me, it's why I've got a slinking on my desk. Uh, some of you know that I, I, as a kid, the only thing that I wanted in life was a slinky. Uh, for those of you that are not a kid of the 80s, it was uh, a metallic, it was actually physical, not digital toy. It, uh, it was this metallic spring that would roll down the stairs and for months and months and months I saved and Dad said, look, okay, well, if you save your pocket money really hard, I'll take you to Hobby Co and uh, we'll go and buy you a slinky. And so eventually the day came where like, the object of my affection was just so close. I went in with my pocket money and I got the slinky and I took it home with pride Went there and on our two-story uh, house that we're in, in Beacon Hill, I was there and I'm playing with my slinky over the edge of the balcony, stretching it up and down and just having all sorts of fun and joy with it all. And, and uh, as, I, as I am going off to bed, Dad uh, retells the story of uh, he was there to tuck me in at bed that night and just before he got to say goodnight to me, there laid in the top of the rubbish bin was this mangled and twisted metallic thing that once resembled what was called a slinky. Dad came into bed, we had a chat about it. He said, buddy, I saw your slinky, it's all, it's all mangled and I know, how much you, I know how much you loved that thing and how much you've waited to get it. You know, I tell you what, you've been a really good boy, we'll go back into Hobby Car and we'll get you a new one. And in that moment, young Sam said, no, Dad, things are things and then they're not. Things are things, and then they're not. And a wise man once said, don't store your treasures up on the top of a rubbish bin where they can get stretched and pulled apart and wrecked by young kids. Things are things, and then they're not. I've had a week where I've come to realise all too well that things are things and then they're not. And it's the things that we value the most that are the things that we are truly after. You know, when we come to this discipline of simplicity, Jesus is not trying to ruin your fun here, but to try and grab your attention to the things that are of most value in life so that you don't miss the opportunity to tr truly enjoy them whilst you've got them <laughs> in your hands. And so I thought this morning, this is what I can't believe too, is that I can't believe why so many people will go out and listen to Marie Kondo on how to tidy up their shelves and their cupboards, and yet so few people are willing to listen to the advice of Jesus on how to tidy their soul. It's crazy. And look, the good news for you this morning too, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, uh, this is not a Christian thing, this is a thing thing. I always say this, that the advice that Jesus gives you to tend your soul is the sort of thing that you can do in the absence of faith. This is just good advice. And so I'm saying to you this morning, like if you're going to read Marie Kondo's book and hug your shirts and sniff them or whatever you're going to do with them, then at least listen to the principles of Jesus. And so if you're fine with it, I've, I've developed three uh, con-Jesus methods, they're called. 
okay? I know Kristen, it's what I do. She's shaking her head. Con Jesus methods. He's got three different methods that you can do with the things that are choking your soul. The first one, satisfaction. And then there's distraction. Will it take me away from God? And then subtraction. Satisfaction, distraction, and then subtraction. Kind of making sense? Satisfaction. The first question that you ask when you look at this thing that is choking your soul is to say, is this something that will satisfy me in the long run? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, he says, where moth and vermin destroy. The first step is to define what it is that you really need. And just before that passage, Jesus goes in and he says, Therefore, I tell you to not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. So just start with the big categories, food, clothes, water. Reckon we're okay with that this morning? Okay. Start with what you need. Rejoice in the fact that any one of us that's sitting in this room have that this morning. And praise God for that. But also look to say, is this thing that I'm going for, is it really going to last in the long run? Then the second one is distraction. You ask yourself, as you look at this thing that you really, really want, that you really have to have to have, you ask yourself, is this going to take me away from God? And I think this is a really great nuance to ask yourself this question. Because again, I'm not preaching that things are bad, God good, and we all go live in a whitewashed room with nothing else but uh, a Bible on a table and a tunic. Oh, that's not the kind of life that we're talking about this morning, okay? So just rest easy. There's a far deeper nuance in all of this. It's the reason why Jesus says, look to the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now, why is Jesus saying, look at the birds of the air? Because birds, he's saying in this example are absolutely confident that the world around them brings the provision that they need in their life. And so the things that distract us and pull us away from God is not just things, but they are the things that we think we have to have in order to be safer, more comfortable, protected, in control superior, right? There's things, and then there's the, use a biblical term, the idolatrous way that we turn those things into ultimate things and ultimately our sense of God. They're the things that say, if I have to have this, then I'll be okay. I'll be God. I'll be safe. I won't have to worry anymore, right? And so you ask yourself, is this thing that I have in my hands, is this thing that I'm focused on have the potential to take me away from God? That's the distraction piece. And then the subtraction then is, well, then how do I let it go? And Jesus gives us a great insight in terms of how we let these things go. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what's really interesting about that passage is that this is basically the only place in the New Testament that I can find where the order of spiritual growth and change is reversed. Do you realize this? In the Bible, when you see the Bible, the way that we change is we always focus on our heart and our inner life first. And then if we do that, then our actions will flow from the heart. But look at what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, this is the one area of your life where I want the action to happen first so that 
it will change your heart. Let it, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because such is the nature of our hearts to tie ourselves to these things. That Jesus understands this is really tricky business. You have to start with the action first and it will change the heart later. Makes sense? And so when you say, well, how do I, how do I get rid of this thing? It's as Thomas Chalmers said, the expulsive power of a new affection. You have to take these things and you have to hold the things that you want up against the things that you truly value. You have to take these things and say, are they ruining my relationship? Are they squeezing out the time that I have for people? Are they causing me to live a life that is overcomplicated and complex? And as a result, then to begin the discipline of learning what I call blessed subtraction, the giving away things can be one of the greatest ways that you experience God. So, there we have it. The con Jesus method of satisfaction, distraction and subtraction. Say it with me. Satisfaction, distraction, subtraction. There we go. Love it. I love all the note takers out there. Oh, this is great. This is great. <laughs> As we finish this morning, I guess I just want to ask you... Do you keep getting dragged away from what it is that you value by what it is that you want? Some of you want solid relationships, but the stress and anxiety of keeping up with your stuff is squeezing the life out of those relationships. Some of you want time away with friends, but you're so leveraged that you've got to work to keep up with everything else. You don't have the space in your life. Some of you want quality of relationships and to be present, but you're so worried about the things of your life that you're not with the people and the things that really matter. And Jesus came to drag you back into simplicity through that discipline um, so that he can lead you into a life that's far more freer and that's not being choked. And so this is, this is the time to be honest with yourself. <laughs> right? This is the time to be honest with yourself in your own world. Look, don't elbow the person next to you. If you're here with your partner or your spouse, you know, don't, don't do those strategic, mm, you know, the directed, mm, right? But it is the time to be honest with yourself. Has your partner or spouse been saying, honey, do you really need to keep buying those things? Do you really need to keep getting that stuff? Maybe you've got friends that have been trying to tell you, do you really need to Keep creating the impression that you're trying to create through what you wear or what you do or what you have. It's the time to be honest with yourself, to ask yourself this question, how long is this going to keep going on? What, like another season? Another three years? Another five years? Another ten years? Until your kids leave? <laughs> another marriage? Right? All of, all of this, there is going to be a moment in time in life, in all of our lives that we are headed towards where we're going to realize that we can't take our stuff with us. And yet, I know in my life, like, between now and then, I'm still so caught up in it. And this is for me as much as it is for you. So Jesus wants to progressively con Jesus your life. It's countercultural. You'll be hit with over 5,000 advertisements a day over this next week to tell you to buy more weeds. Buy more weeds, right? And that's all they're good for. They're just weeds. 
weeds in the garden. And like a physical garden, you need to tend to this. You need to pay attention to this. You need to identify this. You need to pick this out. You need to be discerning. You need to go, yep, I need to keep that. That's valued. No, I need to pull that. That's a weed. You need to work all of that into your life. Because look, if you don't actively move and fight for simplicity, then you will always drift towards complexity. Trust me. But most of all, just imagine, imagine a life where it's just simpler. Imagine the clarity you'll have when all your clutter's been removed. Imagine the freedom you'll gain when you, you lose more stuff. Imagine the stress becoming less because you have more resources at your disposal. Can you imagine that sort of life? I want that sort of life. And I want that sort of life for you. And Jesus wants that sort of life for you. And so may you learn from Jesus the life-changing art of tidying your soul. <laughs> Satisfaction, distraction, subtraction. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And we all know Jesus was just quoting that wise young prophet, Sam Haddon, when he said, things are things and then they're not. Let's pray. Father, help us in this moment to to acknowledge and to have revelation of the way that things are growing around our throats like weeds. I know all of our hearts in this building are wanting to move back to, particularly in the Lower North Shore, lives of simplicity and space and freedom. And so I'm praying you into these next few moments, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you would bring revelation to us. Of things and stuff that's captured the attention and the affections of our hearts. I pray too in this moment as we communion with you. That we in the spiritual way would make you our treasure. And in so doing, we would set up a dynamic in our lives where we are truly able to say that if, Lord Jesus, we have you as our treasure, then everything else is just a blessing. And I'm conscious that on one hand, um, the grip of materialism, both culturally, is clouding our vision so much. But individually, there is a deep power over our hearts. And I pray that that be broken in Jesus' name. At the same time too, Lord, I'm, I'm praying the wondrous discovery. There may be people in this room that have been through loss and tragedy and the stripping of things. And of course, yes, that's been painful, but I pray for them too. They may be the lucky ones as they've been able to discover the joy and the peace and the comfort that they have from you on the other side of that. Help us to see their examples. Help us to see that it's possible, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As we take communion this morning, I'm going to leave um, those questions up there again, Jordan, as a bit of homework for you. Um, so you can get the con Jesus method ingrained into your soul. And so I invite you to take communion if you haven't got the communion cups yet. If you're a follower of Jesus, you just wander up to the back of the auditorium and 
get the, the cups and to reflect on the life that Jesus lived and encourage you to talk to God about this process. Ask God these questions and this is how the Holy Spirit ministers to us in this moment is that God speaks to us, He shows us, images come to mind, things stir on our heart, there's stuff that we kind of know and feel but kind of don't want to admit to anyone else. You don't have to admit it to anyone else, admit it to Him, speak to Him in this moment. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you could just hang in the chairs and enjoy this same sort of process. As I said, this is the sort of thing that you can do as well and your life will just be better for it because we believe here at Northside that um, following Jesus makes life better but He also just makes you better at life. And so, as I often say, just start following Jesus. Worry about the faith thing later. Um, but if you're going to read Marie Kondo's book, maybe read his book this week. Let's uh, eat and drink, take communion and do our homework. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.